just a little bit um, of what the Lord has been speaking to me about the next season. And the next season that is coming is going to require spiritual maturity and steadfastness. It's going to require a heart that says, I will not be moved. In the summer of 2019... Um, I was at a pastor's conference, and um, that day before service started, the Lord had spoke to me and said, um, I have a, pro- a prophetic word for the people. And, and I said, Lord, you have to tell the pastor to point me out, because I'm not just going to go up in the midst of a room full of pastors. And the pastor sat there during worship and pointed right at me, and he said, you have a word, come up here. And, <clears throat> and what the Lord spoke to me was that there was a darkness coming in 2020. And that he gave me the scripture, Isaiah 60, verses 1 and 2, that says, Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness over the people. But the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. This word arise means get out of your prostrate and depressed position that you've been in. You can't be depressed Whatever's been bothering you, whatever's going on, the Lord is saying this season, you need to arise. You need to get up. You need to arise. You need to be steadfast. You need to persevere. My title for tonight is, Are You a Fairweather Warrior? 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6. This is our verse for the week, for the year. And David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now, 2019 was a rough year for our church. It was a rough year for me and Pastor Matt. And so when I read this of being distressed, because everybody wants to stone him. And I'm like, wow, that really, that really hit me. It was the year I wanted to quit the ministry. We wanted to quit the ministry. Pastor Matt was attacked. I was attacked. My kids were attacked. We were publicly shamed. The enemy tried to destroy our church. Now, this is nothing new to, to us. Pastor Matt and I get bad emails all the time. We get, we get people saying bad things about us. It's not uncommon for this to happen. But this was an orchestrate, a well-orchestrated attack against the whole body of Christ. And it almost destroyed us. And that, that, during that season, I was greatly distraught and I found myself in a fetal position and the Holy Spirit spoke a word to me in that season. And he said, Crystal, the enemy doesn't have to completely destroy you. He just has to render you ineffective. Doesn't have to destroy your life. He just has to render you ineffective. And then he's done his job. And then the Lord spoke this verse to me, and this is a very, this is kind of an obscure verse, but it was a verse that God gave me the first year of my salvation. It's Proverbs 24:10, and it says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. And a woman came up to me, and, and, and Pastor Matt, and she spoke that over us, and I just began weeping and crying because I said, That's like my life verse. That's something God gave me almost 27 years ago, now 28 years ago, that he spoke directly to me that I didn't even know that I was going to need at this point in my life. See, a fair weather warrior faints in the day of adversity. 
And God uses adversity to refine us. He does. Trials and tribulations. Adversity is refining us. And so we have to give ourselves over to that process of being refined, of going through the adversity. And so we look at what David did here, and it says David encouraged himself in the Lord. This word encourages from the Hebrew. It means to grow firm, means to strengthen. It means to prevail, means to harden to adversity. It means to be strong. It means to put courage in, hence the word encourage. To put courage in, be firm, and be resolute. And so the opposite of encourage then is to be discouraged. And we know discouragement is a tool of the enemy. If the enemy can get you in a position of discouragement, it will destroy you. In this life, you will have to consistently fight against becoming discouraged. You will. You will have to consistently fight against becoming discouraged. So how do we fight discouragement? Well, the first thing David did was to inquire of the Lord. In verse 8 it says, So David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And the Lord answered him, Pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David humbled himself to seek the Lord. Because David could have pressed on in his own strength and his own might. He could have pressed on in his own knowledge. He didn't retaliate out of vengeance. He could have quit, but he didn't quit. He humbled himself to seek God. And pride will cause the Lord to resist you. The Bible says that, that God resists the proud. And, And pride is just saying, I know what's best for me. I don't need to seek the Lord on this. I'm doing this. I don't have to seek God on this. I'm doing what I want to do. That's pride. And the Bible says if you operate in pride, God is resisting you. And I tell people, I don't need God resisting me. I got enough battles to fight without God resisting me. So before you do anything, you should inquire of the Lord. And I don't mean just in the big things. Because we'll, we'll think about big things. We'll say, you know, Lord, should I move here? Well, that's a big thing. But, you know, you should really say, Lord, should I take this job? Lord, should I go on this vacation? Lord, should I buy this car right now? Because God wants to be in all the things. So we, 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 we need to inquire of the Lord. I remember a few years ago, um, Pastor Matt and I wanted to go to Disneyland with a group of people. Now, we love Disneyland. It's a fun place, the happiest place on earth. We enjoy going to Disneyland. And so we had already made plans to go to Disneyland. And as I was praying, I kept hearing the Holy Spirit say, don't go. And I was like, why can I not go to Disneyland? Why should I not go to Disneyland? Is there any reason for me not to go to... I don't see any reason for me not to go to Disneyland. We have the money. We had the time. All this sort of stuff. The Lord kept saying, don't go. And I told my husband, I said, I don't feel like we should go. And he was like, no, you just feel that way. (laughs) And I... The more I prayed about it, I said, honey, I just... I I just don't think we should go. I just don't think we should go. And so he goes, oh, okay. So he canceled all our plans. 
And it was interesting because two days before we went, I had a dermatology appointment and I had a weird mole that was moved right here on my leg and I have a gash about like that big. It's probably, I mean, I had to get eight stitches on my leg and it was a deep gash and I literally couldn't walk for about a week. And I was like, I ain't going to Disneyland in a wheelchair. I'll just tell you that much. (laughs) But I wouldn't have been able to walk. And I was like, well, praise God that we had already canceled that. And I listened to the Lord. What's your attitude toward prayer to God? Do you hope he hears? Because David knew God heard him. And he believed the word of the Lord. You shall recover all. He heard and he believed. Psalm 161 says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my supplications. See, I know the Lord hears my prayers. And I'm not saying this as bragging or anything like that. I, I don't hope that he hears me. I know God hears me. I know he hears me. And I know that I have his ear. And I know he will answer. I, I know it. You, you, I don't, I don't have a, a, well, I, I hope so. I'm not just throwing up things, hoping he hears. I I don't come to him and say, Lord, I'm hoping you hear this. No, I know. I know he hears me. I was in a prayer meeting one time and, um, one of the ladies asked for prayer as they were going around and another lady in the group who knew me very well. And she said, you need to get Crystal to pray for you because God always answers her prayers. And I just started laughing. Ah, ha, ha, ha. And she goes, no, it's true. God always answers your prayers. And I was thinking about that and I, and I look and I was like, you know why God answers my prayers? Cause I know he hears me. Yeah. I know he hears me. And that was her perception of me. When she saw me and saw my life, she said, everything you pray for and everything you say to God, he answers. Why is that? Cause I know he hears me. I know he hears me. I know he listens. I know I have his ear. I know. You, you can't, you, you can say, well, maybe that that's fine. If you want to do that, I don't operate that way. I know God hears me. And some of you don't have this knowledge. You don't have this knowledge. So you're just throwing prayers up, hoping they get to his ear. Need to change that. The next thing that David did is to listen to God's commands and obey. In verse 9, it says, so David went. Doesn't say he argued with God. Doesn't say he, you know, took any more time. It just, so David went. So he, so David went. <clears throat> the next thing the Lord spoke to me about is that this next season's going to require submission. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and if you know who he is, and I'm reading, I'm, I'm currently, I've been reading this really slowly because his biography is like this thick. It's like War and Peace, you know. It's it's super, it's super long. I've been reading it, and man, it's such a great book. And and he said, anything short of obedience to God smacks of cheap grace. It's like, whoo. <clears throat> Your actions have to follow what you believe. If you call him Lord, you must do what he says. This next season, God's going to give us specific instructions. And you must be in a position to hear. You must be submitted to obey. 
Obedience is going to be truly life or death. This last summer, we were uh, in... uh, on our road trip and we were visiting a pastor friend in Tennessee and he took us into a cave. <clears throat> Which he said was the Walmart of caves, but I digress. <laughs> so, <clears throat> okay, so let, let me, let me show this pastor. So he doesn't just do caving for fun. He actually does it for the state of Washington. He maps out caves. I'm sorry, state of Tennessee. Yeah, he's in Tennessee. He maps out caves for them. That's what he does for fun. Okay, so he maps out caves. So he, he, he goes in and he'll, he'll jump in, you know, 70 feet down on ropes. And I mean, just, he's shown us pictures, just crazy things. And so, oh, this cave's no big deal. It's super easy, not, not a problem. And so uh, we go in there, you know, if you've been in a cave ever, there was about 12 people with us and, and you know, you have a light because it's dark. You can't see anything. So we have a light on our forehead. We're following him around. And the first thing we get to is, you know, we're going, we're going straight up a rock with a rope at like 25 feet high, 25 feet high up a rope. And he's like, no, no, just tell you, just go where I tell you to just step where I tell you, just follow my voice. You'll be fine. Just go up. And I'm like, climbing up this, you know, climbing up this wet, slippery rock in a dark cave. So we get up there and he goes, okay, that's the hardest part. We'll be fine from here. So then the rest part, you know, we're going down and up and there's, there's little climbs and stuff like that because, um, I don't know if you've ever been in a cave. It's not just flat. It's ups and downs and dips and, and climbing on rocks and it's wet and it's muddy and all this sort of stuff. So the rest of the part was, was kind. And then I hear this, uh Oh, I forgot about this part. was like what do you mean pastor chris what do you mean uh oh <laughs> and he's like no it's be fine just do exactly what i tell you to do <laughs> just do exactly what i tell you to do he said on this side is a 70 foot drop on that side is a 70 foot drop and this is not hyperbole you can ask my husband and there was a slope about <clears throat> that that was wet clay that went down. And, it, you know, you fall on this side, you fall on this side, you fall going down. There's, I mean, and so the wall's right here. And he said, get as high up, close to the wall, hug the wall. He said, follow the person in front of you. And don't stop, move, don't stop moving. Just do what I tell you to do. You're going to be fine. When I say specific instructions, that's what I mean. None of us fell. We all made it. We wanted to beat him up afterwards. (laughs) But we got through it. Obedience, folks, in this next season is truly going to be life or death. I'm not kidding around. You have to utterly trust God. You have to position yourself to hear from God and position yourself to obey and be submitted to what the Holy Spirit and your leadership is telling you. Because submission to God and his word includes submission to his earthly authority. See, David did not accomplish this mission on his own. While he encouraged himself, he needed submitted men to gain the victory. Authority is of God 
And this has been lost in today's church. Hebrews 11, 17, or 13, 17 says, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Yeah. What's funny is that when I Googled that in the end, um, I put Hebrews 13, 17 commentary, and one of the top three things that popped up was a blog against submitting to authority. That's the Christian church now. This is specifically specifically referencing church leadership, not civil rulers. It's specific that. The church is to show them proper respect and submit to their authority in the church. So far as it's administered in accordance with the precepts of the word of God. I have to add that because people say, do you blindly obey everybody? Not if they're against the precepts of God or the word of God. If they're preaching against the word of God, leave. Just leave. This word obey means to assent to their authority. Now, interesting, this man in his blog, he said that obey meant to, um, that they had to persuade you. I was like, what? I was like, you, you, you've translated that miscorrectly. I, and I even went back to my concordance and I was doing my study myself and I was like, oh, no, 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 this guy's wrong. And of course, everybody's on there like, oh, that's so good. Thank you. Thank you. That's so good. That's so good. Man cannot make himself a pastor. God does. If man makes himself a pastor, he's a false teacher. The obligation to obedience does not extend to anything which is sinful. The doctrine of this message is though that submission is necessary to the welfare of the church. It's an, it's necessary to the welfare and, and unity and the running of the church. And so there ought to be a disposition to yield all proper obedience to those who are set over us in the Lord. The pastoral ministry is for your profit. That's what it says. If it results in the pastor groaning, then its purposes are frustrated. Second yeah. Peter 2.10, it says, <clears throat> And especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise authority, they are presumptuous, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. Here, Peter's warning against false teachers, and they are known by certain attributes. One of them is despising authority. And speaking evil of dignitaries. Now this word dignitary is a really interesting word. It means glories. It means to whom honor is due. It has to do with ecclesiastical government. We know that there's civil government, there's family government, and there's ecclesiastical government. That's church government. There's a church government. And so false teachers then, they said that that false teachers, what Peter says, is that they lack a reverence for God's holy leadership and earthly authority. So if you want to be considered a false teacher, Jude says the same. Likewise, all these dreamers defile the flesh, reject authority, and speak evil of dignitaries. So there we have two other we have two places where it says this. They reject authority. So we see false doctrine is rejecting authority. False teachers reject authority, reject the authority of God. Authority is of God. I, I had a friend that um, her house, I think it probably had some kind of uh, 
mold in it because um, her house always smelled so moldy. And so her clothes always smelled moldy. And her husband and children, they always smelled moldy all the time. They always smelled moldy. <clears throat> no matter how much she washed it, because she's in her house all the time, they smell, it smelled moldy. Why is that? Because you smell like your home. Well, we smell like our church. We have, we have a smell. Submission has a smell. And I can guarantee you, Pastor Matt knows who's submitted to him and who's not. He knows who's submitted to the leadership of this church and who's not. Because the Holy Spirit reveals it. Submissions of God. I just read it to you. People don't like this word anymore. Just like wives don't like to submit to their husbands. That's family government. That's family authority. Wives submit to your husbands. So wives, if you're not submitted to your husbands, you're not submitted to God. So if you're not submitted to your pastor, you're not submitted to God. Because authority is of God. Submission is of God. That's the way he wrote. I didn't write the book. Take it up with God. I will tell you this. If you are not committed, you are not submitted. Because the committed are submitted. If you're not submitted, you're not committed. If you don't, if you don't tithe, serve, give, regularly fellowship here, you're not submitted. You're just not submitted. And if you're not submitted, you're not under authority. And if you're not under authority, you're not under God's protection. Because submission is security. Submission is protection. As we obeyed Pastor Chris's instructions in the cave, we were under his protection. If we would have went and done our own thing, said, oh, I can find my way in this cave. Really? Really? I've only been in this cave hundreds of times. I know the way. Even in the dark, I could find the way. But you go ahead. Yeah. You know your own way. Yeah. If we're not submitted, we're living outside of the will of God and protection of God. Yeah. And I'm telling you right now, submission is protection. Yeah. Submission is security. That's where it's at. You're going to submit to somebody. You might as well willingly submit to your leadership. And I will tell you because the leadership here encouraged ourselves in the, in the Lord in 2019, we were able to be strong and courageous through 2020. I had multiple people tell Pastor Matt and I, thank you for leading us courageously through this year. Did we know what 2020, did we, did we know or understand? No, we just had encouraged ourselves and was like, this is what we're doing. And people said, I just followed you. (laughs) I just did whatever you were doing. I just did whatever you're doing. Let's look at what David's men did. They spoke of stoning him. Well, why did they not encourage themselves in the Lord? And why was their first instinct to attack and blame their leader? 
because they were fighting alongside him the whole time. They were with him the whole time doing everything he was doing. They loved it until they came back and, and everything's gone. And they're like, oh, it's now it's your fault. Even though we're with you the whole time. Even though we're with you and we're doing everything the whole time. We're right there with you, pastor. Oh, but wait a minute. To be a mighty warrior, not a fair weather one, you must resist turning on your leader in the hard times. I read this and I thought it was really good. A pastor that preaches the undefiled, untwisted, unadulterated word of God in a carnal church world where there is little to no correction or standard of holiness is preparing you for the day you stand naked and open before the holy God of that holy word. The God that is an all-consuming fire. The God that sent his son so that you could be separate from the world, not mix in like a chameleon. Be very thankful for a pastor who prepares you for that day. Be very thankful that a pastor prepares you for that day that we will stand before him. You have to realize that there are hard times to be had while serving God. And it's not the leadership's fault. In fact, this will be the time when leadership needs you the most. They need the support most. How come nobody asked David how he was doing? He lost everything too. They took his wives, children. No, how come no one said, David, how are you doing? How, how are you doing in all this? I, I, I understand that you're leading us and we've been with you the whole time. And you've got a big decision here. And what are you going to do? How, how are you doing in this? No, they didn't ask him that. This is a fair weather warrior. God uses adversity to refine us. You have to give yourself over to the process. Learn through the adversity and quit complaining. Ooh, if you could just quit complaining. Do you turn on your leaders when things are bad? And I will tell you, we have godly leadership at this church. We have leaders that strengthen themselves in the Lord and seek for his direction. And I know my husband seeks the Lord for this church and he takes his position as senior pastor very seriously. And if you don't think so, then you should not be here. If you don't think that, then you shouldn't be here. There's no sense for you being here. God places the members in the body. The scripture tells us that. If you're here, then you have trust that God placed you here. And if he placed you here, you, we have something that you need. Because it's, it's, it's that kind of relationship where God will send somebody and we need you and you need us. So you, we have something you need. So you have to submit to the authority of this church then. This group of men who talked of stoning David had come to him for help and they gathered to him. In 1 Samuel 22, 20, 22, 2, it says, And everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. So he became captain over them and there was about 400 men with him. So these men came to David saying, We, we need you. We need something from you. We're going to follow you. We're distressed. We're going to follow you. 
So when you came here, you obviously saw something in this church that you said, I need what's here. I need what's here. Now, these men were failing initially, but because they had a God leader who didn't give up and quit, they were led on into victory. A God leader will determine if you are victorious or not. And I want you to note, it's important that these are the same men who were named among David's mighty men. Because that's encouraging to me. These men that came to him that were distressed and in debt and broken down, these were the David's mighty warriors, David's mighty men were among this group. Although they didn't start out that way, they became famous for valor valor and victorious in battle. Because God used adversity to refine us. And these men gave themselves to the process of becoming a warrior. Now there was 37 out of 400, so uh, you kind of do the math. But we see you can start off distressed and discontent, but at some time you have to grow up and mature. We shouldn't be staying in that position. Are you growing or are you spiritually degenerating? Because this is, this is what I see. People go through something and they either run away from God or they endure for a time. That's what I see the most of, is that people will just endure for a time. They come to church for a time. They'll say, I need to be in Bible study. And they, endure, they attend for a time. They only do things for a time until that season is over. They endure for a time. It's a fair weather warrior because the mighty men of God and women of God endure and are diligent at all times. We persevere and we don't lose heart. If you're only attending when you want or when you feel like it or when you're going through something, you will never be victorious. Your growth is retarded. And I don't mean that in any, any way, but the true intention of the word. It's not growing. You're not growing spiritually. We, we are all supposed to be growing spiritually. You're still a baby. You need to grow up. Paul spoke of this in 1 Corinthians. I fed you with milk and not with solid food for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you're still not able. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to the church. He says, you're still carnal. Where there's envy and strife and division, you're carnal and behaving like mere men. You're still carnal. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14, it says, And though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. You have a part to play in growing up. Here's some signs of a toddler. A toddler attacks preachers of righteousness. When a, when, a, when a preacher talks about sin and righteousness, let, let a preacher talk about divorce and watch how you react. When a preacher says, divorce is not God's will. You need to work it out. Yeah, let's see how you react. 
A toddler disobeys God's word. Now, mainly not all of it, but you pick and choose what parts you want to obey. That's what a toddler does. A toddler has a consumer mentality. The church exists to serve me. A toddler treats the church as a common thing. And, and honestly, I'm really sick of this. Come on. <clears throat> Thank you, Sylvia. <laughs> the blood of Christ is not common. What he birthed out of his blood was the church. It's not common. It's uncommon. We can't treat it as a common thing. It's not, it's not, it's not common. It's uncommon. It's beautiful. It's holy. The church is not a restaurant. It's not a theater. It's the church of the living God. It's the pillar and foundation of truth. It's holy. It's not common. A toddler is offended by everything. A toddler is jealous of others' victories. A toddler is not generous. Still greedy. Mine. 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 A toddler's all talk and no action. A toddler won't receive instruction or rebuke. And the Bible says that Jesus rebukes those he loves. So, so if you're not rebuked, maybe you're not loved. We're all going to be rebuked. It's whether or not you receive it. If you can't receive a rebuke, if you can't receive instruction, if you can't receive discipline, you're a toddler. A toddler is constantly grumbling and complaining. If any of these hit home, you have some maturing to do. Just repent and submit and you will be victorious. Give yourself over to the process. These became mighty men because they submitted to godly leadership and they shared in the vision of their leader. Because a godly leader will take you from zero to hero. If you give yourself over to the process of instruction and discipleship. Division means two vision. Die vision. Die vision. Division is a tool of the enemy. Don't be a tool for evil. Division is evil. A mighty warrior does not operate alone. The submitted person operates in unity with the body. See, David was not who he was without his men, and his men were not who they were without him. He may have been able to slay a giant on his own, but he could not slay the whole Philistine army without his men. And David pursued with his men by his side. Look at verse, uh, in verse 10, it said, but David pursued, he and 400 men. He didn't go alone. They bucked it up and said, okay, we're going to stop. We're going we're, we're, we're gonna to believe you, David. We're going to do this. We're with you. Let's go. We will never be who we are called to be without our leaders, and our leaders cannot be who they are called to be without us. Pastor's not a pastor without a flock. And we will only accomplish God's will by being unified. Look at verse 23. I want you to notice it. It says, but David said, my brethren, you shall not do so with what the Lord has given us, us, 
who has preserved us and delivered into our hand the troop that came against us. That's language of multiple. What the men wanted to do was not get, not share any with the guys that were too were, were so exhausted they had to stay back. And David said, no, we're not going to do that. We're all one. Yeah. We're unified. We're doing this together. It's us. Us. He said, the Lord has given us. He didn't say me. He didn't say me. He was the one that inquired of the Lord. He encouraged himself in the Lord. But now he says, Lord did this for us. Because we're together. We're doing this as one. The enemy knows that if he can create division, we will never accomplish God's will. You will not accomplish it corporately and not individually. Don't think you can do your own thing and not be a part of the corporate. God doesn't work that way. 1 Peter 3, 8, finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be be courteous. 1 Corinthians 1.10 Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all speak the same thing, and that there be no division among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Philippians 2.2 Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. One purpose. Unity. Submission. Don't be a fair weather warrior. Don't be a toddler. Folks, we have work to do. And the Lord had me prepare a prayer tonight to come against what President Biden spoke over our country. And he spoke words of division where he said, we are looking at a winter of severe illness and death for the unvaccinated, for themselves, their families, and the hospitals they'll soon overwhelm. And I wrote these words inspired by the Holy Spirit. I come against these words in the name of Jesus. And I proclaim that this season will be a season of life and health. It will be a season of prosperity and success for God's people. And I affirm tonight that we will be victorious over every battle. And we will not grow weary in the heat of the battle. But we will strengthen ourselves in the Lord our God. And I thank you, Lord, that you grow us in adversity. And we are in your hands. We will not back down and we will not give up. We will be steadfast and we will persevere in Jesus' name. We will not fear anything the enemy throws at us but we will rise up in faith to achieve the victory that Christ provided for us on the cross we will not look back and we will not be sidetracked we will not be distracted and we will not be discouraged by what we see for we walk by faith and not by sight and our God will see us through to victory in our homes in our families on our jobs in our personal lives and in the life of our church we are more than conquerors through him who loves us and gave his life for us we will overcome we will not be moved we will have a good attitude and be content with God's plan no matter what it looks like he holds us 
in his hands. He will not fail us nor forsake us. He will supply all we need. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. Therefore, we will rest safe and secure in his unchanging hands in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen. Take it back. I didn't want to be at the top of the room. I just love you guys. I love who our church is. I just feel so. I just feel so strong being together. You know, I really, I really feel like it's such a timely word. It's funny because it was it's like corrective and I'm like, gosh, what am I doing wrong? Right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> and and it really just ministered to me a lot. Just that I like and then she said it, right? Like it's us. Yeah. It's us. Yeah. We're gonna do it, man. Yeah. We're gonna get yeah. there. We're gonna God, God. We're just gonna see God do such great things in our yeah. life, but specifically this year, because it's us, man. Yeah. It's us. Oh, praise God. So yeah, good. So good. I... <laughs> Alright, let's pray. Lord, just thank you for tonight, God. Thank you for Pastor Crystal. Thank you for just speaking to her. For her courage, her boldness. I just bless her tonight. God, I pray that as we leave this place, that you would go with us. Father, we rest in your strength and your power. God, that you'd bring us back together tomorrow night for more preaching. God, so you can do more things in our hearts. God, we love you tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you all like so, thank you so, thank much you so much for joining us today online. With online. Us today. I want to remind want to you, if you're not, you to like our Facebook page, follow us on social like media. If you're on a regular YouTube, watcher of follow us on Twitter. Online. Would you please send friends. us a message because we want Continue to get to know to you. We want to be connected with you. Make sure you like and share this video, and we'll see you next week at Faith and Victory Church. We love you. Have a great day.